This is Jacob Smith from the Same Old Song Podcast. And this is Amber Noel from the Living Church Podcast. And Amber, why are we here together? Why are we here, Jacob? You're joining me from far away in New York City, and we're here together to invite all of you, November 16th to 18th, to a Living Church preaching conference in the heart of Manhattan. Hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's and Friends, this is going to be a wonderful conference for you to hear from some of the best homilists in the craft give you an opportunity to get your head around preaching in Advent and preaching in Lent and uh, really encourage you as preachers. And the best way to register is to just click the link in the show notes today. Absolutely. So register early because this is going to be an exciting time. We'll see you there in New York City. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Hot time, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Wherever you are, that's true for you probably, unless you're in Australia, in which case it's uh, Merry Christmas. Happy, Dead cold. Happy yeah, winter time. Christmas. But for where probably most of our listeners are, preachers and lay people, uh, we're getting in the in the thick of summer here as we continue to walk through these readings. But Jake, uh, where will you be when this episode drops? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I will probably be... Um, uh, I will be. Is this on the sixteenth? I will be in. Um, I will be in Arizona, in the hottest part of the world. So um, visiting my parents. So. Well, that sounds. Cur- that I, sounds great. I'm currently there, enjoying probably a taco, or um, something from a place called Lutz Casino, <laughs> and uh, one of the oldest casinos in uh, in the country, and uh, and uh, having a. Having a grand time sitting in the air conditioning. So sounds really special. Sounds meaningful, mm-hmm. joyful. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing that's so cool? Uh, I'll I'll be preaching, Jake. I'll be I'll be working in the vineyard of the Lord while you are. Oh, that's good. I'll, I'm going to cruise to probably my home church, St. Paul's Yuma. Yeah. Shout Church out. Yuma. Shout yeah. out. So. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Uh, All right. Here we are, everybody. Yep. Uh, we are now um, going to be looking at Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 13, mm. and then Romans 8, 1 through 11, Matthew 13, 1 through 9, skipping 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, <laughs> 17, and picking up again with verses 18 through Here then the parable 23. of the sower. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Jake, we begin with this uh, prophecy from Isaiah, yes. uh, mm-hmm. and this passage that is sort of... Um, well known from if you're a morning prayer kind of person in the Book of Common Prayer, you know this is Canticle Ten um, about the words of God that don't come back empty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, uh, and it's it's a memory verse for a lot of people. The rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return until they water the earth. Um, so is my word that goes out from my mouth that shall not return to me empty. Um, beautiful poetry, 
but mm-hmm. what the heck does this mean? Yeah, this is good. Well, so um, just to give everybody a little bit of context, so Isaiah 55 is at the end of a section right before Israel returns to exile, uh, returns home from exile, excuse me. So you have You're excused. Um, Is- Isaiah 40 that begins with comfort, comfort, ye my people. And uh, I thought Handel wrote that. Uh, he did, but uh, he remixed it. <laughs> it's the Isaiah remix. So, um, but, Featuring uh, um, Handel. So anyway, but uh, the the big thing here is is that um, yeah, people are feeling a little broken, feeling a little worn down. Uh, maybe uh, you have someone in your parish that spent the day at the beach and got a little bit of sunburn. No, it's not the same thing at all by any stretch <laughs> of the means. So, but uh, um, but this is basically people are feeling uh, a little weary and a little tired, and because uh, they've been in captivity and they don't know what they're going home to. Uh, they you know it's a mess, and so. Um, but he opens up by giving them this, this whole passage is essentially a promise of what God is going to do and how he works. And so uh, the first thing is how he works. And it says, as rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. So as I said, I will be probably um, knee-deep in the desert southwest at this very moment. And uh, rain is a very rare commodity. But when it hits, and I tell you, you want to make a lot of money. If, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, conf- uh, Confused middle-aged white guys. When what do they do? They go to law school. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna go to a law school, go study water law right now. I mean that thing is going to be a gold commodity because uh, in the desert the Colorado River is literally being sucked dry. I don't know if you were following the news just last week, but the Navajo Nation was told by our Supreme Court you have no access to that water, and uh, you know always breaking treaties. Um, but uh, but basically the point is is that water is powerful because water creates life in the midst of death if you live in a desert, and so and so God here compares uh, the water and the snow that fall to the earth in the desert to His very word that comes out of uh, from His mouth and it never returns void. You remember when He spoke? Well, it said He said, "Let there be light," and there was light. You know, He creates with His word. And uh, the same thing goes with these people. I'm going to create something, trust me, with my very word. And the same thing, and this is how it all ties into uh, our upcoming readings. When God speaks, uh, well, it never comes back void. You know, you may not see it right away, but that word declares you righteous, Mm. even though you don't see it. That word declares you good soil. And so this is really all about the hope that we have when God speaks, because when God speaks... Um, well, it always does something, and what it does is for the good to make you the righteousness of God. Yeah, and if I were preaching this, I would probably talk about this, the, the power of the Word of God to accomplish that, which um, it speaks. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and I would say that we see this happen in Romans, because this verse 1, there mm. is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, this is Paul writing, but he's inspired by the Spirit of God, and this is the... 
um, you know, that we believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is, is very much connected to the, the Logos, the Word, who is Jesus Christ, who holds all things together. So you can receive this as God speaking over you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and that you can take all the way to the bank. It's because, as Isaiah says, my Word, it will not return to me empty. It will accomplish that which I purpose. So, uh, and there's these words that are spoken in the epistle reading in Romans 8 are so powerful. Uh, There's no condemnation. Many, many, many people feel like the job of religion or Christianity is to condemn and make people feel terrible about themselves. Every time we do a newcomer's class at the church uh, where I serve, um, or I ask people about their stories, it's almost always some variation of, I grew up in a tradition that made me feel like I was in trouble all the time. Um, or maybe it was a congregation that I knew that there was love and there was joy, but the faith was basically following the rules that you had to perform according to a certain set of standards. Um, and if you didn't, you would be condemned, sometimes quietly, sometimes publicly, but that was what would happen to you. And um, this word of St. Paul is the gospel, and it is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free uh, from the law of sin and death. There's no law anymore because it's all been fulfilled, as Paul says. Um, uh, and so because of that, we can move out of that. You know, are we good boys and girls or bad boys and girls? We can move out of that and say that that is ended. We're now in the in the life that's in the spirit um, and we rest in what God has done through us. That's, that's really a great point. And a lot of people come out of traditions that um, really have condemned and accused people like because they've read this particular chapter, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. You know, just mind on flesh, etc., etc., etc. You can read the rest. But a lot of people, there's a misunderstanding here, and what they think is that Christ in the flesh God sent uh, has done what, of course, we cannot do. But now that he's done it, uh, we can do it. You know what I mean? And uh, that we now um, are going to live by the Spirit and not according to the flesh, as if it's like kind of, all right, Jesus is my means to the end, to like finally live in the Spirit. And this is a misunderstanding and removes God as the protagonist of the relationship, which is so important to understanding Romans 8. Paul's argument flows, and I love Romans, I just preach this all the time, but Paul's argument flows out of chapter 6, and it's contingent on not being condemned, not on your doing, uh, but on believing what God has said and declared about you because of what Jesus has done, given to you by faith, manifested in your baptism. Mm. So what this means and what Paul is talking about here is that according to the Spirit, a walking according to the Spirit is to walk according to faith in Christ. That's true, to trust in Christ and not in yourself. And faith is the Spirit's work. And this is the gospel, core of it all. God's done for us what the law could not do because of sinful flesh. And he sent his Son to become flesh and in the flesh to become sin so that the law would be fulfilled in us who trust Christ. We uphold the law by faith in Christ and not by our works. And that's really, really important. But how would you make that that rubber hit the road there, Aaron? Um, I think I would talk about... um a relationship that's based on love and sort of the awareness of prior acceptance. Um, I would try to make this concrete unless, you know, it, it is true, but nevertheless can feel abstract. 
um, that we are loved and saved by grace and and that the law has been fulfilled and all that. Um, think about a relationship in your life where you knew that no matter what you did um, when you came in the door, you'd be welcomed and accepted and how that felt versus coming in and knowing that you might have to edit or censor what you say so as not to provoke an angry reaction or... Um, uh, yeah, just environments where you feel f- free to be yourself. Who Whose house can you show up wearing your sweatpants? And whose house do you feel like you have to kind of put yourself together before you arrive? And just knowing if, you are, if you're accepted and loved, that that itself brings forth love and, tra- and transforms the relationship versus a relationship that's based on law and, and how that um, actually produces the opposite of what it demands. Yeah, yeah. To walk, actually, when you think you're being super pious, that's to walk according to the flesh, right. to walk the way of the law and works. Uh, to walk the way of the Spirit is to walk by way of the gospel. And I think the way it plays out is, I mean, um, and I saw this, I mean, this is just such, um, uh, there's this movie about Fire Hot Cheetos, oh. uh, the invention of the Fire Hot Cheetos. Have you seen it? I've heard of it. Um, Eva Ligorian's uh, Fire Hot or something like that. It is it is there is such a move, powerful movie about vocation and imputation, but it's all about the guy who created like um, created the fire hot Flame, cheeto, flaming hot cheetos. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, but you know, uh, right from the get go, uh, the beginning, his dad is like, "You're such a you know such a loser," and like you're a loser, and you're always gonna. And then his dad becomes like a born again Christian, and is still kind of like, "You're a loser. You gotta like get up." And like this imputes something to him, you know what I mean? And it imputes like the wrong. And it's interesting, he always, he says there's this moment where uh, the factories are all being closed because of uh, trickle-down economics. And uh, the pastor of the dad's church is going to offer him a job as a maintenance. And you know, and he like, they have this conflict. And uh, the son stands up, the inventor of the fire hot Cheeto, and he says, you know, um, my whole life, I've like tried to do good things, but the one voice that has kept me down always is yours. Ooh. And um, it's like this, and then they like storm off, and it's this amazing thing. But so finally, he gets a meeting with the head of Frito Lay's, and uh, the father comes and is like, "I'd like to like see you." And they haven't talked for a little bit; a couple of years have gone by. But the father is like, "You know, man, I want you to know that I'm." I've always been proud of you and like, I love you and you're a wonderful man. And there's this moment where he like begins to cry and there's all of a sudden like this like new pep in his step, you know, and he begins to walk and I mean, he's like a cholo and uh, he goes in to meet the head of Frito-Lay's and pitch this like fire Cheeto thing to them and uh, speaks on behalf of a whole culture. I mean, creates like a whole cultural icon out of this, but it's really this word. And I just think about your life. Every time someone has like said something to you that just beats you down, that's the voice of the law and it's accusation. And it says you never ever will add up. You know, thou shalt is the voice of the law, but the voice of the spirit is you are my son and I love you. And uh, that, when that word gets deep in your heart, like Isaiah prophesied, it's like rain and snow on the desert. It never comes back void. It sprouts seeds and creates all sorts of fruit in our life. And really, that's what Paul is. I think, ultimately, when you get past the theology, who doesn't need a word from their father, their heavenly father, that says, I love you and I've always been proud of you. 
Yeah. And uh, that's what this is all about, I think. And if this passage, if you really camp out here, it, it blows one's mind to hear the Spirit of God dwells in you. And yeah, this is this is the, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. That's a declaration. It, yeah. That's who you are. And he says the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead it dwells in you. In you. And that same spirit will give life to your mortal bodies just like he gave life to Christ. So it's salvation not on your own efforts. Again, I, I, I keep coming back to these conversations I have with prisoners and so many are coming out of traditions where they really felt like their whole spiritual life was a project that they controlled and they had to do it and they had to pull the reins. All these people, um, it's so funny, we have all these people who have been baptized like five or six times because they were like, <laughs> the first one didn't count because they didn't mean it enough because I clearly didn't because I kept on sinning. So I had to do it again yeah. and again and again. Whereas our perspective was like, no, God has done this in you. He is doing the work in you. It is his spirit who will give life to your mortal bodies. And by the way, this passage makes clear that it's this mystery of, yes, it has been accomplished. And also it's being worked out over time in our lives. Out. Like he, it says, Paul says, the, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. It is an ongoing process. It is not, it, yes, has been completed. Yes. And the spirit dwells in you. Yes. And it's this ongoing process. So, and it's the spirit that does it, not you. And now people get worried, like, yeah, but you have to cooperate with the spirit. Well, I hope not, because I'm not very good at cooperating with the spirit. I hope the spirit will again do this work in me. I'll make it all about me if it's me. Look, look, did you see how I cooperated with the spirit today? Um, the spirit is already doing this work in your life. This is what it says. Jesus was not in the tomb cooperating with the spirit. He was dead. And this is the picture of the spiritual life over and over and over again. Um, and people say, well, we got to do something. Okay, well, give it a week. Try a week of not doing anything and just letting the Spirit of God do the work in you and see what happens. Because yeah. I bet that if you have been watch how, partner, how Watch your anxiety not, just drop. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. The more it's a partnership, it really becomes all about you. Um, and this is, uh, <laughs> it's, it comes about well, this your is, This really is a great... This is a great segue into interpreting uh, the, the Matthew 13 and the parable of the sower here. I think, uh, you know, any idea of cooperation in this regard is uh, uh, just um, completely misunderstands uh, what soil is and how soil operates. Uh, soil is acted on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cooperate. A farmer comes and plows it all out and makes it something. You know, and uh, that's something. But so we have this parable. And remember, parables, ladies and gentlemen, are not fables. This passage is preached so often like a fable. And if you hear a fable, run the other way. Yeah, meaning like the moral um, of the fable is be good yeah, soil. Yeah, so you better be like good you've soil. Gotta remove be the like rocks good and the soil, stones. Everybody. And you gotta fertilize and yeah. <laughs> No. no, dude, that's the farmer's job. Yeah. That is the sower's job. Imagine and, you walked uh, so, outside past uh, so the we field have and like, all these rocks were like flying out of it because the soil was like <laughs> catapulting out the rocks in the trees. No. Yeah. So, no, this isn't so, but so this isn't, this is an heavenly illustration of an earthly truth. And this is uh, what happens. And so you have this like sower. Uh, this is the image of God. And uh, he is out there and uh, he's just, he is an irresponsible farmer. I mean, this is ridiculous. If you know anything about seeds, uh, that that's cash. And uh, he is just out there just chucking it all over the place like a fool. And uh, he's uh, throwing it on the sidewalk. He's throwing it in like rock. It isn't, it's not most people would like find a nice field and then they'd like take a stick and poke a hole and like in those days and like drop it in there and then like, you know, and water it a little bit. He's just like throwing it. 
And, uh, and this is where the seed is going. It's going all over the place. It's going to the most ridiculous places. You know, a parking lot and, uh, and a sidewalk and uh, a rocky field, you know, uh, air and stone garden. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is where it's at. And it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. And so this shows something about the extravagant grace of God. Um, and um, and it, like you said, it's a description of what it is like when, when the gospel is preached some people will be able to hear it and receive it, and some people won't, and that's not in your control. Um, and I think the response for the the present day hearer or reader of this passage is not, I need to get the rocks out of my heart or whatever it is. It's to, it's to notice where God has already kind of, where his seed has been planted and is bearing fruit in your life, and ask God, you know, if there are things that are... Um, preventing fruitfulness, you know, ask God to be the good, the good, the good sower, the good farmer and to, to help you. But this is not, as you said, a fable about how to be good soil. It's just a description of what's true and and what human beings are like, that we are um, troubled and anxious and there's, you know, there's the concern of wealth and all like, that's just true. And so it's, it's an invitation um, to us to ask God to do the, the work of the good sower. Mm, that's great. And it's also like it's it's in your so I was talking about this with somebody yesterday and um, and in your life, you're going to have moments. Everybody's going to have moments where, you know, it, your your heart is the I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about anybody else. But there are moments where my life is a path and there is moments where my life, my heart is a rocky ground. And there are moments where I have actually, you know, uh, got you know, uh, dry land that's getting scorched left and right. But that is not the words you speak to your congregation. You remember, this is a word of promise that creates good soil out of parking lots. Uh, What you want to convey to your congregation when you're preaching this Sunday is that you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, and since the Spirit of God, since the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if the Spirit of God dwells in you, boy, there's a lot of good soil out here, and it's bearing a lot of good fruit. Speak the word that create, because that's your job, preacher, that creates faith in order for people to understand themselves as who they are in Jesus, in the Spirit. Wonderful, rich fruit bearing, uh, rich soil bearing fruit. Mm. Yeah, and here well, that's we... That's cheap grace. <laughs> no, it's not. It's free. So, <laughs> Yeah, because somebody already paid for it. Uh, the, the beautiful yeah. thing about this Sunday is it does tie together. You know, we begin with this seed um, and the word of God being seen as a seed that doesn't return to me empty and God will make it happen. You have this passage in Romans where this, this word is preached to us, this creative uh, act of God in speaking who we are. Um, and then we see in Matthew, again, this example of, of when the word is preached, kind of the different phases of how it lands in our lives. And I think an invitation to Jesus in this parable to just be reflective and see where we might be today, where we've been in the past. And knowing, though, that uh, the word of God will do what it has been purposed by um, by God to do. And um, uh, and and there will be. There will be a time, if you're maybe not the good soil today, there will be a time when you are in the future, um, and it will bear fruit. But just know that God's word doesn't go forth in vain. It cannot help but bring out what it, uh, what it has been purposed to do. Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, 
Well, All you right. better get back to your casino in Arizona. We let our listeners get back to writing those <laughs> sermons. And may God bless you and keep you. We'll see you again next week. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.